Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is Aaron West. He's one of my favorite people in the American soccer community. He co-hosted Fox Sports' nightly digital show during the Women's World Cup, and you can see him now co-hosting the Crossroads eight-part series of Premier League What Ifs on the NBC Sports YouTube page. While we've got you, make sure to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We've got interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we love. That's Planet Football TV. Onward! The breakout star of the Women's World Cup this summer was Rose Lavelle. And I get that. Rose had a great tournament, scored in the World Cup final. But for me, there was more than one breakout star of the Women's World Cup. And my friend Aaron West (laughs) joins us now in studio here in New York. Aaron, congratulations on everything you did with Fox on the digital show, which was really cool and got more than a million viewers in a night on, a, on at least one occasion, maybe multiple ones. I appreciate but that. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um, great. Yeah. I love, I, this, I, I love this office. I'm, I feel very comfortable right now. I'm just going to hang out after we finish. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast studio actually is, is kind of nice. We got uh, stuff up, uh, posters of uh, LeBron. Clint Dempsey is the the soccer member up here. I know Clint's retired, so he's probably fishing right now. Honestly, probably so. it's probably a little bit late. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit hot now. The fish are probably not jumping, so he's probably already fished and is now like at home <laughs> watching the news or something. <laughs> I don't know well, what. Clint maybe we should get Rose Lavelle up in here. Um, we should. But uh, I I want to talk about just have a conversation because uh, I think you're a really interesting guy. And <laughs> uh, it was really cool getting to to know you more this summer as you were working for Fox. I was working for Fox at the World Cup. Um, but I want to get kind of your soccer story yeah, yeah. to start with, because here's what I know about you. You're sitting here right now in a Lyon jersey, <laughs> by the way. I, fe- I felt like it was fitting after this summer. It felt like a good, a good jersey to wear today. <laughs> I like it. Um, but I always associate you with Juventus, and yeah. I know you played, and... What's your story? Yeah, so I was introduced to soccer. I was born and raised in North Carolina in Chapel Hill. I was introduced to soccer by my mom's best friend, who has since passed away. May she rest in peace. But um, when I was three years old, my older brother, I have one older brother, was six. I was three, so he was old enough to play organized soccer. I was not. But as soon as we I f- like was rolled a soccer ball and saw it in action, I fell in love. So I would go to my brother's training sessions and like kick around like at, at their practices. And then when I was four, I started organized, which was basically just a bunch of kids chasing a ball. But I was hooked. Um, growing up in North Carolina in the, the 90s, uh, I, we didn't have cable until 2002 when I begged my parents to get it for the World Cup. Right. Uh, but before that, I basically existed on highlight tapes and reading, uh, which is partially why I love writing so much because I read amazing writing my entire life 442 magazine every single soccer publication in the US that existed soccer junior on up nice uh, so I would every single thing in the written word I'd go to Barnes and Noble and every single glossy soccer magazine that my parents would let me buy I'd buy the books I grew up on Ajax highlight tapes which is how I fell in love with Ajax and Holland and then in 97 I was still uh, I 
was turning about to turn 13 and I was like really serious about the game I just started playing select when I was 12 I was pretty good I thought I was pretty good and like was really really serious about soccer and that's when I decided I'm gonna pick a team and I stick with it for life like this is gonna be my team forever Mm -hmm. Um, like I said I grew up watching Ajax highlight tapes that was like visually that was what I basically lived on just watching Ajax over and over and uh, my friend's parents got the Ajax highlight tape from the 96 final when Juve beat Ajax and I was like enthralled I saw the the black and white I saw the blue with the yellow shoulders I researched some a lot about Juve I was like I really like this team Edgar Davids had just signed uh Thierry Henry was I believe at the time he was at he was at uh Juve I was like I I love this team this is gonna be my team so I was all in it didn't matter that I didn't speak the language I couldn't watch them I was like I can't watch any team so this I'll just follow them anyway um and I'm like a very stubborn person so just like through everything I was like I'm gonna be I'm a Juve person so when I was like 12 13 it was 97 I picked Juve in 98 the next year I was like oh I I follow this game I realized that it's like there's a lot of different leagues and there's it was a very american thing i was like there's not that much crossover i love uh, Henri had just moved to arsenal mm-hmm. and i was like i love this team i really like a lot of their players there were a lot of black players a lot of guys that looked like me a lot of guys i loved Henri. so i was like the arsenal will be my second team okay. and then in my head i was like all right so if anyone asks me juve over everything but also i love arsenal and that's kind of how i've like okay. approached it so if ever juve plays arsenal it was like okay i'm supporting Juve just barely but almost never it never happened <laughs> so I never really had to worry about that so it just since I was 12 just stubbornly like I'm gonna pick this team and stick with it and it's been I'm 33 I'll be 33 in a week so okay I'm still stubborn <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like uh, to have Arsenal play Juve would require that Arsenal make Champions League yeah so early on this was a, a possibility and now it just doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> And did you did you play in college? Yeah, so I played at Davidson College and a little bit like for about 2 weeks afterwards I was like with I I tried with the Charlotte Eagles got hurt. I got an offer from another team in North Carolina the Wilmington Hammerheads that I don't believe exists anymore. Sad. Uh and it was a very very it was very little money and I was perpetually injured throughout. Like I was always hurt. I broke my back when I was 15 oh, wow. and that was one of hundreds of injuries muscular like i was like usman dembele but like worse and had no idea i maybe he's worse because he understands how to take care of his body i just had no idea how to take care of my body uh my freshman year at davidson our trainer told me he was like you're gonna get injured like three or four times a year because you were not really built to play this sport (laughs) you were built to be a sprinter and you play like a sprinter so you're gonna get hurt a lot and he was right he was not wrong at all (laughs) but so i i just after college i like Tried to play in USL um, and probably could have made a decent career out of it. But I was just like, I don't like being hurt. I don't actually enjoy training. <laughs> I love playing games, but I didn't enjoy training. I don't really like being outside that much. <laughs> and I enjoy pickup way more than I actually enjoy training. So all those contributed to me deciding to go for a regular job. And so I started working in social media. Uh, I, right out of college, I worked for an education outreach company, like as an intern, a couple of Davidson grads had started it, hmm. enjoyed working there, and then the entire the bank collapse happened. Mm-hmm. And so I lost my job there and then just started like a few, over the next few years, kind of cycling through trying to figure out what I wanted to do my, with my life. And it all kept circling back to soccer because it was really the only thing I cared about. Okay. So I worked in social media for a few different companies, 
marketing. I tried to be a coach. And then it was just all cycling around, like coming back to soccer, coming back to soccer while I was still kind of freelance writing on the side and was kind of putting all of my eggs in the coaching basket because mm. I was like, I don't like working. Uh, and soccer is really the only thing I care about. And writing was hard. <laughs> it was very difficult. I did like some freelance writing, but couldn't really find anything mm. uh, secure. And I was like, I have a girlfriend and I want to start a life and I want to make money. I never cared about, I've never cared about money, but like, I was like, I have to at least eat. So (laughs) I I went down the coaching route, started to get my badges. And then in 2016, I got the offer to go right for Fox, which kind of changed everything that like made this industry a real, uh, avenue for me. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of put me on the map, um, in terms of working for a legitimate outlet, being able to explore, like get my views across to a bigger audience and that's kind of just what catapulted it um i was at fox for a year and year about a year and a half and when they pivoted to video i firing all their writers in the process (laughs) yes they made the big industry shift to pivot to video and we all of the writers across sports from fox were were let go um and i actually immediately it was a one of those really cool moments in my life where like i've had a lot of ups and downs but it was like the coolest thing where the day that we all got let go, I was actually in Portland with uh, with my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, yeah, Laverbush. Yeah, yeah, Laverbush. Um, so I was there with her because they were playing against Portland. So I was like going to hang out with her mm-hmm. uh, for the I think a couple of days, just a couple of days. And so we got the news that everyone was being let go, and I was like, all right, well, I'm not actually in the office, so this is kind of nice to not have to be there. And I told my wife, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to take a day or two. I'm just going to be really sad. I'm going to be in my feelings, uh, process this, and then like I'll get back on the job hunt uh, like in a couple days. Um, so it, we found out the news early afternoon, and then around like 5 or 6, I like tweeted out. I was like, I had a great time at Fox, kind of along the lines. Like, I had a great time at Fox, learned a lot. That's the bad, the good news. The bad news is, or the bad news, learned a lot, and the, but I'm no longer there. The good news is you can now hire me. And I was like, and I just like kind of closed my phone yeah. and it started like buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. I was like, what is going on? And there was interest. Yeah. And it really surprised me at the time. I was like, oh, people actually resonated with my work. And which is, you see that a lot, but then when you're kind of head down in the internet, right. you see a lot of negative comments and you think you're doing good work, but you're never really sure. <laughs> uh, but it felt really good to kind of like, be validated and uh was quickly i quickly moved to to copa and then with a view to kind of change their voice on Mm -hmm. social media they had started out as kick tv with kind of like um a lot of dad humor like a lot of like broad kind of american soccer humor um and then they kind of they wanted me to kind of come in and modernize it update Mm -hmm. it for the modern soccer fan which is what they wanted to cater to um so I worked on their social media, did some writing for explainers and with a view to do more uh, video work. Um, so I started doing more video work and it felt comfortable. It felt good. And You're so good I did at more. It. And I did you more. Are good at it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it evolved into like from mainly social media and writing and some on camera work to mainly on camera and some social media and then mm-hmm. like some mainly just on camera and some writing. Uh, and it just it's since I've started doing the on camera work, it's it's 
been interesting because I really do enjoy it. I like my dream job. I was just asked a couple of days ago, like what my dream job was. And I was like a year and a half or two years ago, I would have told you it was what I was doing writing. Like mm-hmm. I get to write about soccer. Like my job is talking about this game that I love and I don't have to talk to anyone face to face. Sometimes I do interviews, which is great. Uh, but I don't have to like go out and talk to people all the time. I was like, this is amazing. But now I'm an on-camera person. So it's it's a, been an interesting shift, but I really enjoy it. Um, there's, uh, again, I get to talk about soccer all the time. So what is there not to enjoy? But it's it's been it's been a, a fun shift to like kind of the other side of the camera instead of just writing for things like that. But I want to hear the Buffon story because oh, man. when you were at Copa 90, um, as obviously a big Juve guy, yeah, yeah. you end up interviewing one of the great Juventus players of all time. How yeah. did that come together? So we were in the office and my producer like walks up and he's like, so we have an opportunity. Um, and I was like, oh, what is it? Opportunities pop up all the time. Some of them are really cool. Some of them are small. And I'm like, I'm excited about everything. So I'm like, oh, what is it? He was like, you maybe want to go to Italy and interview Buffon. And I was like, <laughs> I like dropped. I don't know what I was holding, but I dropped it. And I was, I was like, please don't mess with me. <laughs> and I said some unsavory words. I was like, don't play with me. Like, this is, this is not a thing to mess with my feelings about. Don't do that. <laughs> so basically, it was an opportunity with Puma um, for the release of their Atsuri jersey, the brand new one, um, to interview Buffon. It was uh, in Italian. Hmm. Um, and I kind of understand Italian. I understand mm-hmm. Italian from, like, years of following Juve, reading blogs, mm-hmm. listening to the games in Italian, mm-hmm. especially during the Serie B years when there was, like, no coverage in English. Right. Uh, so I, like, have a cursory understanding. If you speak it to me, I understand it, mm-hmm. and I can say a few words in Italian. And I was like, uh, okay, yeah, let's do this. Uh, so we sourced all the questions. We got them translated from Italian. But we, like, had, like, kind of an ongoing conversation <laughs> in Italian. I, I think I blacked out the entire time. <laughs> Uh, but he's just such a nice guy. Uh, like when he walked, I was, it was like in a big hotel suite, um, in Turin. And so I was in like a back room kind of waiting, um, a little bit of a car wash. There were a couple different people before us, but it was an extended interview. So when he walks in, he's just got like this booming voice. You hear it in Mm -hmm. the stadium, you hear it on TV, but like he walked in this room and he goes, buongiorno. And like the entire room like fills with his voice and it's like, oh my God, Gigi Buffon is really here. And he's just the nicest guy. He's Uh. so genial. He treats everyone like they're super important. Looks you right in the eyes. He speaks a little bit of English, but Mm -hmm. I like tried to speak my little bit of Italian and he was just like so nice and disarmed it like felt like a normal interview huh. and like it, when I watched it back I was like whoa this looks like we're friends <laughs> this is crazy how did he make me feel that comfortable <laughs> but he was just such a nice guy and like it it went perfectly and I, I uh, couldn't it couldn't have gone any better and at the end I was like oh my god I just interviewed Gigi Buffon and then I got I was like feeling on top of the world we got back from Italy and I woke up uh, to (laughs) I opened up my uh, Snapchat to like a bunch of messages from my friends (laughs) just like uh, all my friends are amazing people they're they're like if I ever I become legitimately famous I will never have to worry about my head getting too big because they will always (laughs) keep me and bring me down to earth I like just rose woke up to like pages and pages of roasts like this man interviewed his idol looking like a backup duke point guard like he really wore pajama <laughs> pants to interview Gigi Buffon. <laughs> like, it was just like page after page just absolutely eviscerating me it was fantastic <laughs> awesome I, I mean i would also think too that like 
as as time goes on and you've done new things so like as when you started doing video and realized oh i can do this mm -hmm. or if you did you have a situation like where you thought if i can interview buffon and produce some some good stuff out of it i can basically interview anybody and yeah that was that was it was one of those moments where i was like i just interviewed Gigi buffon in italian i feel really good about this like i was very new in doing it but like that was a really crazy situation and it felt like comfortable and it felt good so it was kind of one of those moments where i was like oh this is like a i think a thing i can do i enjoyed this 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 might be fun <laughs> um it, yeah it was it was a big moment where i was like oh this this could be my thing <laughs> so it, it were there other things with copa 90 like the buffon uh interview that really sort of you think about when you think about your time at copa 90 yeah honestly we had a lot of amazing access and we got put in a lot of really, really cool situations with players that aren't like very traditional where we were able to kind of get things out of players where I think a lot of traditional outlets maybe wouldn't. Uh, going to training sessions, going to places where you literally you can just roll a ball to a player. I play. I, am, I look like them. So I automatically have like two legs up on a lot of other people. Um, right. Who, who might be doing an interview. So um, I use that, if especially if there's a soccer ball around. Or sure. like I, um, I did a shot challenge with Tyler Adams kind of early on, and it was one of those things where I didn't know him, he didn't know me, but I can roll a soccer ball and pass and we talk. And in, like in five minutes, like we're, we're cool because I talk about I off camera, like those little moments that you get with someone before the, the lights are on and before right. they're like under pressure to say things properly and could be screwed for the rest <laughs> of their lives. Those little moments to kind of let someone know that, uh, like, I'm your, I'm, I want to be friends with you. Like, honestly, I, I don't even view myself as a journalist. I just want to tell stories accurately with, for, especially about people that I believe in. Um, I, 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 I think journalism is interesting because there's a lot of like, they're, we try to not be biased, but there's some bias everywhere. Like, I, so I, I think it's it's important to not shy away from that. The fact that I have bias and then announce it up front, like I have a bias. I like this person. I'm trying to be truthful with the story I'm, I'm telling, but I do like this person. Uh, but kind of circling back to the original, like we got put in a, a lot of very cool situations at Copa, mm -hmm. uh, very unique ones and like fun situations, which is a player like a lot of players knew that they were going to have fun, which. When a player knows that it's going to be a serious interview versus a fun one, like, it's always better. I think. <laughs> um, so I got to I got the chance to have a lot of fun with a lot of different yeah. footballers that I watch on a regular basis. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and in the parable of modern media, uh, Copa ninety decided to pivot. <laughs> it just spilled my water. Yes, <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, uh, yeah. So at the beginning of Towards the end of last year, the beginning of this year, the the UK side side kind of decided to pivot away from the American side, um, at least for for content. It had kind of shifted. We you could we had kind of seen it coming. There was a shift of more uh, branded content over kind of the creative content we wanted to produce more of. Mm -hmm. um, telling rather than just telling stories, it was telling stories for a brand. Um, which you have to make money. I understand that, but it, it kind of, I think it's a, it's a very dangerous game. Media is so hard. Like yeah. you have to sell enough ads to be able to make the stuff that you want to make. And then sometimes it can turn to just selling ads. Um, and that's kind of, I think that's basically what just happened. Um, but yeah, so the beginning of this year, they decided to, to part with the American content team and I went freelance and I've been enjoying it actually. <laughs> um, 
I obviously did the the Women's World Cup, which was one of the greatest experiences of my life alongside you. Yeah. That was an amazing Amazing time. Standing in front of the Eiffel Tower was so surreal. I like It I, didn't seem real. It, did it didn't. It didn't. Like I was telling someone yesterday, uh, it was like two three two week stages. It was like the first two weeks was I can't believe I'm standing in front of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> the second two weeks was like, Oh my God, this is just work. Like we're working in front of the Eiffel Tower. Like, yes, that's the Eiffel Tower, but we're working here. This is crazy. How are we working in front of the Eiffel right. Tower? And then the last two weeks was wow, we're not going to be doing this much longer. I'm working in front of the Eiffel Tower, and I won't be, like, this is amazing. How am I still doing this? I'm not going to be doing this much longer. I'm going to savor it. <laughs> so it was like it was a, a little bit of transition over the, the, the six weeks we were there. And it went by quickly. I yeah. mean, like, and what I what I like is, is that I think there's something, we have a fair number of listeners who are students who want to become professional sports media people. Mm-hmm. And you've had this industry deal you some pretty negative cards that had nothing to do with the quality of your work twice (laughs) and and what i think is uh, probably a helpful lesson for everyone out there is you kept at it um and then fox the company that had let you go at one point Mm -hmm. ends up hiring you for this really cool job you do an amazing job with it and now you're doing other stuff as well. So what's the tell people about the the NBC stuff you're doing? Yeah, so I am I right after I got back from the World Cup, it, this messed my internal clock up for like a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. So I got back from Paris. I was in New York for two days, and then I flew to LA to shoot uh, this Crossroads series for NBC, and we shot it over one day. So I was there for like three days, and then went back to New York. So my my uh my internal clock was just so screwed up for yeah, a long time seriously. but the crossroads series is really cool um when they pitched it um uh, i talked to them about it it was the, basically the idea is there are several pivotal moments in premier league just in football in general like it soccer is such an interesting sport to me because i think about this all the time it's like a player's career can literally be changed in like an instant. Like, what if W. Trezeguet misses that volley in Euro 2000? We probably don't know his name at this point. Right. Like, he he might not get a move to a big club. He might not be a French legend. Like, what if Zinedine Zidane misses that volley? What if uh, Arsenal don't win, don't go undefeated? And that's that's the episode that's actually coming out tonight. Uh, nice. But it's little moments like that or big moments in the Premier League. Some very serious ones. Some comical ones like when Tottenham's entire like 10 of their first team squad were got food poisoning what would happen in history if they didn't get food poisoning if they win the match the next day uh maybe Gareth Bale doesn't leave maybe Luka Modric doesn't leave maybe Michael Carrick doesn't leave maybe Spurs would have won a title by now like these are little moments that we there are eight separate ones in this crossroads series that we we kind of go through the history this is what happened and then we kind of go through a little bit of fun like what if what if Gerard didn't slip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There are a few moments that'll hurt a couple different fan bases. Uh, the Arsenal one is a good one because it actually did happen. They did go undefeated. Uh, so if we had to go down the other road, I would probably be hurt. Uh, <laughs> but so we get to, we get a little bit of positive memories as Arsenal fans today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a really, really fun series. Um, I had a lot of fun shooting it. Um, and it's, it's cool to just kind of be able to do different things like this in the space. Like, 2019 is so interesting to me. Like, our world's going to probably burn up, but I get to talk about soccer. So it's like I have conflicting feelings all the time. (laughs) 
like I'm laughing, but I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we we there may be someone somewhere in an office uh, in Washington D.C. who could push a button and do away with this all, but. I woke up and watched soccer today so for my job. So there's a lot of positives and a lot of negatives. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, it's been an amazing year for you. You got married. Yeah. Uh, you had these these very cool jobs that you're doing. Um, tell me a little bit about what it's like to be married to a soccer player. It is amazing because, like I told you for the longest time, I, I care about more things now, but for the longest time, mainly the only thing I cared about was soccer. <laughs> and so I would talk about it a lot <laughs> and I ingested it a lot and I'm just, it's my world. So for me to be with someone who loves it as fully as I do, she loves it in different ways. Uh, she doesn't watch nearly as much soccer as I do because she actually has a, a more intensive job that she has to do stuff. <laughs> she, uh, she is the president of NWSL Players Association mm-hmm. and has her own business, so she can't just sit around and watch soccer all day like I do. But she she played. She understands the game. I can talk to her about intricacies of the game, not just, oh, did you see the score? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll pause my day and, like, run over and show her a highlight, and we'll, like, goo-goo-ga-ga over it. Like, we'll go crazy over it. Um, she'll, like, uh, she's better technically than me as a footballer. So it's just, like, little cool things that – I am super invested in this sport and to have someone that is just as invested, if not more, and like two two feet down in it that cares about advancing the sport in this country as well, as much as I do, is is an amazing feeling. So knowing that you played at Davidson uh, at, in a certain time frame, there's two other people's names that always uh, come to my mind. One is a guy that we had on the podcast several months ago, Clint Smith. Yeah. Uh you know Clint, don't you? I know Clint very well. I am the one that recruited Clint. Uh, I, he was my recruit at Davidson, and I did everything I could to coerce him just because. So basically, I, I got every black recruit at Davidson because <laughs> I we didn't have – we had at, I was the only black guy in my class. Okay. And Davidson is very small, and it's not that many – minorities so like i was i was very happy to take mm. this on and every i like made it a point like if i got a black recruit he was going to davis nice. <laughs> so what was I, your success rate yeah uh i pretty i got every single black recruit i that ever came to me no way yeah so we had a clint's class i think there were four black guys all of them who came to me in the recruitment process yeah, four. Uh, so I was very proud of that. Um, Dave, Clint, Clint came. Uh, every black person at Davidson that I knew, I showed him, which was every black person on campus. <laughs> <laughs> I showed him the greatest of the campus. Um, and as soon as he committed, I shot him with an airsoft gun. I was like, we have you now. <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> so I feel very proud of my contribution in getting Clint Smith to Davidson. Um I love that kid. He's a great guy. Oh, uh, we had a great he is time. A, a total star, and 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 I loved his all caps soccer tweets. During the <laughs> he stole that from me, by the way. Really? Yes. Oh he no, did steal I didn't that know from that. Me. Oh, you can. Uh, it's this is actually like we joke about this a lot. Um, like because <laughs> we're in a group chat together with a bunch of like friends from Davidson and and beyond and um like i i would long time ago would would tweet in all caps and he would do it too and then i like did it for a while and he's like he he kind of latched onto it for the last last year 
the was it the last World Cup? He did some during yeah during Russia. I think it was during Russia was when it like really kicked on. And his brother, it was the funniest thing is like his brother texted me and he goes, "Clint's really running with your all clap calf style, isn't he?" I was like, "Oh yes, I'm sending this to him because it's proof, incontrovertible proof." <laughs> um, Royalties are owed, Clint. I will. That is the only thing I will say. He stole from me. I, he did not steal the poetry or the writing ability. <laughs> it's just the all cap soccer tweeting. <laughs> I won't take credit for anything else. <laughs> he got some pretty good engagement on those tweets during the tournament. And, and he's got a, a wonderful poem in this uh, 1619 project that just came out last yeah. weekend in the Times, which I suggest everyone read. I actually An incredible writer, I man. stole the print version of that from my uh, mother-in-law's uh, New York Times just it's because- theft. It's a worthy theft. Yeah, <laughs> I figured that's okay, right? Yeah, that's you know? fine. That's completely fine. New York I'll Times Magazine. Check it out. Um, <laughs> The other person I think of uh, those years of Davidson, Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you come into contact with him there? Yeah, so Davidson is very small. It's at, I think it's up to like 21 or 2200 now, but when I was there, it was like 1700. Uh, like a quarter of that are athletes. And uh, so it's tiny. So when Steph came in, he's two years behind me. I, uh, I was injured, as always. So I was in the training room and I met him there, and he was just like, you would, you would have never known, like he was. He was he was highly recruited to Davidson. Obviously, didn't uh, early what was it was a walk on would have been a walk on at Virginia Tech. But like we knew he was a good player. Yeah. Um. So he was but super super humble. Like, uh, introduced himself. Like he said, "Hi, I'm Steph." Like he was a nerdy kid. Like he's huh. a nerd. He's a Davidson kid. We're all nerds. <laughs> like no one can pretend anyone from Davidson is not a nerd. We are all nerds. <laughs> um. So he was like he came in. He was smaller. Like he grew a lot during college. Like yeah. he was quiet. He was always been quiet. Uh, super nice guy always been a super nice guy but mm. just like a regular guy um and then like i remember he introduced himself and then like three or f two three days later like in a preseason game he dropped like 30 something points and i was like oh this kid's good huh yeah. <laughs> and then he's he would he just went on crazy runs but every it didn't matter like if he scored 45 points or if he was in class like it he was the same person uh, which was which is a really cool thing about Davidson. There are a lot of people that are like very high functioning that you would never know. They're just yeah. normal people, which uh, is a thing I've always been uh, happy to see with Steph. He just seems like the same guy. <laughs> Did, does Steph have any soccer interests? Um, I think he appreciates the game. I wouldn't say he's a huge fan. I, I have heard him talk about the similarities he and Steve Kerr about like the similarities between okay. soccer and basketball, which I I think is an interesting exploration. I think for so long we've done all these like. I think people are sick of the like, oh, what if this athlete played soccer right. or like vice versa? But I think there are some interesting comparisons to be made, just not like lazy ones. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I'm totally with you on that. Um, as we wrap up here, a couple questions to end things. One, uh, would you have any advice for students uh, who want to become sports media people or even soccer media people? Yeah, I would say own your content. Um, always like there there's a there's kind of two sides of this it's like always be producing you always should be making things i don't think that's true i think mean, take your time like have fun enjoy your life i don't think yeah. you should always be head down like trying to create something but start a blog like start a twitter page let your opinion be heard make your voice be known because that's that's your voice no one else can control that that is your voice um you may work for an outlet um but they own that that's their stuff. Like once you leave, that's still their stuff. Own your own voice. And I would say a lot of people kind of get head down in just being very one track minded. Uh, 
be diverse like yeah. this is a whole there's a whole world and people like to see that people are in the world they they don't just talk there's no more sticks to sports anymore like only um people with red hats with white writing really care about that um <laughs> i would say there's no real stick to sports the world of sports is too involved in the rest of the world to kind of just stay in a, a bubble and think that that exists yeah. uh we're all humans in this world and you gotta act like it <laughs> i think embracing that and Figuring out what you stand for is a big thing because um, there's there's no line between sports and politics anymore. Like this world is is crazy and it's not going to get less crazy. <laughs> so there's no line. So you got to understand that. Um, and then lastly, what do you want to do in this business? Uh, I know that's kind of uh, a big question, yeah. but I'm curious to hear what your answer is. I just want to keep telling the stories I think matter. Uh, I think you've done a fantastic job of kind of being a beacon for that like you've chased right. some really really cool stories you've gone some really cool places uncovered some things that a lot of people have would have never known um i have a different voice but i i think i kind of want to go around the same path like i'm not mm -hmm. exactly sure what that path is because this landscape is so crazy right <laughs> but i just want to keep telling the stories um that's that's what it is. I, I never really wanted to be a mouthpiece, but I've, it's kind of fallen in my lap, so I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron West, congratulations on everything you're doing, and thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Aaron West, as well as producer Brandon Nix, and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We have interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we all love. That's Planet Football TV. See you next time.